0: We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
1: And welcome to the Sports Social Podcast, where we are doing sports chats for everyone. Hello, Georgie! Happy birthday, Liveth! Thank you. I turned
0: thirty-eight. Thirty-eight is great.
1: It is. It's absolutely great. And I just, I, just quickly at the start of this episode, I wanted to say what an absolute privilege it is to to get older. I think that kind of really hit home for me this weekend when my coach Grant Stollwinder passed away. So young. It's one of those things that you kind of really realise that life is such a privilege to to be able to grow older. So um, just a big shout-out
0: to to Stolly and his partner, Leon. I really like that sentiment that it is a privilege. There was an incredible amount of sport. So much sport. To watch over the weekend and I have to admit there were some sporting things where I thought I'm not going to watch that because I know that Libya will watch that. Was it the tennis? It was the tennis. <laughs> I, I did watch some of it. Yeah. Although I really wanted to watch the men's doubles. It was so good. But it was on at 11.
1: Yeah, but I watched it anyway. It was so good. Oh, I couldn't stay up for
0: that. Oh, no, it was well worth it. And that's probably because I was deep in the X (laughs) Games. Yeah, I didn't watch that because I knew you would be just shredding the gnar It was so, so good. (laughs) Not that you can easily watch it in Australia. You have to watch it via YouTube, which was fine. Mm. But, gosh, there were some great Performances and some some new, I guess I don't know if you'd call them sports or new events. That's the word that they've put into it, or new to me. They've might have been in there for the last couple of years, like the huckle bump? No, the knuckle huck. Oh, that's you were so close. I <laughs> was so close. Swap <laughs> those letters around. Uh, the knuckle huck, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. The knuckle huck has emerged out of the parts of a course that no one really uses. Right. So you have like the super jumps and and the ramps that come off the jumps like yep. the kicker and then the ramp area at the bottom of the kicker but the knuckle is that part that you just roll over before you get down the ramp right and there is this cult of skiers who have created a sport out of how to launch off that knuckle and down onto the ramp. Wow! And sometimes when you're watching them, you're like, have you just fallen over? I think you've fallen over. And then you realize, no, no, they meant to do that. And now they're about to do three flips in the air and land on one ski and hold it all together.
1: The X Games for me is just terrifying. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) Well, it's the winter games in general, but yes, the X Games, particularly terrifying.
0: So in the men's Super pipe, yes, which is just the half pipe. Why is it super? Because it's the X Games. Oh, god, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. It's on brand, it's on brand. <laughs> Scotty James, who is Australia's best snowboarder, you will know him because he skis with the boxing kangaroo red gloves ah, on his yes. hand. and he's a silver medalist at yes. the winter games. Yeah. yeah, so Scotty James did a switch McTwist, which is the most amazing uh, aerial display you've ever seen. (laughs) Love the names. Go on. (laughs) That was created by Sean White, who is like the, the, I have the goat of snowboarding. He is the, yeah, the iconic snowboarder. Yeah. So, um, Scotty James put that down in his first run and then held on to, to that gold medal position for the rest of the time. Amazing. But the standout performer from Australia was Valentino Giselli. He's the 17-year-old snowboarder from New South Wales. He just hit that half pipe with so much air and I think in his second or third run secured the bronze and that's his first podium in an X Games. So that's a huge result for him. That's so cool. Because while the X Games isn't like a World Cup or an Olympics or anything like that, it's a really prestigious event for the winter sports. Yeah. And it's that part of winter sports where new – Disciplines are cultivated, and what I
1: like about the Winter Games and like X Games and all that sort of stuff is they do seem to really progress sports Mm. more fervently than like the Summer Olympic Mm. Games. It's really cool, like because they're literally developing it and testing things and experimenting and trying new things, whereas you know swimming's just swimming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, we have we have uh, mixed gender events now <laughs> so. Well, that's, that's progress yeah I think I mean that's the culture right though of like s- snowboarding and that sort of you're out right out on the edge it's a very straight urban type yes sport it is going to push the boundaries and you're going to see different things mm. the other um, fantastic performance from an Australian was Tess Cody in the slopestyle skiing who got silver yes Tess so slopes style skiing is where you're hitting rails at the top part of this section and then you hit some big kickers and do some tricks and land them and I love that you backwards. know all this stuff I know <laughs>
1: <Here> <laughs> to they hit the rails here and then to bring you
0: winter sports get the kicker <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi, my name's Francesca and I love sport because it makes me feel good. I love how it brings people together, creates community. We have a really strong friendship here because of the sport that we do together. It's time to talk tennis. Tenno.
0: Tenno, baby. Time for the tennis.
1: How good was it? I mean, I know you didn't watch it. I
0: watched some of it.
1: What did you watch?
0: Uh, I watched uh, Sitsipas and Djokovic last night. I was very Um, Yeah, keen to watch Saturday Night, but I just couldn't stay awake. Yeah. I mean, the women's final was amazing.
1: Irina Sebalenka won the women's. It was her first title. And then I stayed up to watch uh, Rinki Hijikata and Jason Kubler, the two Aussie men's in the doubles final.
0: Can I uh, let you know what they think a good nickname? I was going to ask. You know how the Australian public feels a need
1: to give men's doubles pairings a name? Well, they must because Tenasi Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios got the special case, So yeah, they need a- I think it
0: comes net. from the Woodies. Oh, yeah. I, I think mean, the I originals. Mean, <laughs> I, that's a good try. But let's go back a bit further. <laughs> there were these guys called the Woodies. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, Mark Philippoussis is the poo. Y- yes. Yes. I but mean, we're talking about doubles.
1: True. <laughs> You're right on point. I get it. The Woodies. Back
0: to the doubles- <laughs> They are happy to be called the kinkies or the kinks. I feel like we can do better work. It's
1: come from them. I feel like we can brainstorm. It's brainstorm. There's no wrong answers in brainstorming. There's no wrong answers. Let's just like throw everything at a wall, and kinks can be up there. Yep. But I think there are other opportunities.
0: I love that they've had a go. They've had a go. They well, can't be good at everything. They just won the Australian Open for they the men's won, doubles. They won the Australian Open. They were wild
1: cards and they beat the number one seeds to get through to the final. They did amazing.
0: Nicknames may not be their strengths <laughs> and that's okay. That final, I did see a clip of the final point of that match. Unbelievable. And it was just like intense, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And you're like, wow, did the whole game go like that? Was yeah. that what it
1: was like? Well, that's what's so interesting because I, I mean, I'll admit I have not watched a lot of doubles in my time, but it's super intense. Like mm. the amount of reflex mm. action that they need to be having, it's remarkable. And like you're on the edge of your sheet, your sheet, you, you're on the edge of <laughs> I your mean, You could be on the edge of your sheet. If it's the kinks involved, who's Oh, Libby. <laughs> Oh, oh, dear. Um, if it's their fault, they named themselves. I actually was in bed watching it, so anyway. On um, brand for you. <laughs> classic. Yeah, but, like, you're literally on the edge of your seat just waiting for something to go wrong and every time I'm like, how are they going to win this
0: point? And yet they did. And yet they and did. So they won it in straight sets. And interestingly, they'd never, before this tournament, they'd never played doubles together before. So they're obviously just this perfect match. Yeah. Yeah. They just have the right chemistry to play doubles. Yeah. Okay. So next, how do we feel about Djokovic? Because it's complicated. Well, for me it's complicated.
1: I'm interested to see if it's
0: complicated for you.
1: So it was complicated for me and then it stopped being complicated. (laughs) Sport one. (laughs) Sport one. I got sport washed. (laughs) Tell me. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, last year Novak Djokovic got deported. I mean that was handled so badly last year, like unbelievably couldn't be worse handled. He came into Australia. He ended up getting deported um, from the Australian Open, well from Australia in general, because he was not vaccinated.
0: And it was a big political football really. The the issue became a political football in that.
1: It really did,
0: yeah. It didn't actually It could have been squared away well before he got on a plane to Australia. It should have been. Exactly Mm. right. And,
1: yeah, so anyway, uh, he came in this year. I sensed that he was going to have a point to prove and not just about, you know, being deported last year but, you know, he's 35 now. He's had some injuries in the lead up and I just feel like when you have a champion like that, I'm like, he's unstoppable. There's no way he's not going to win. Because he was so highly motivated to make his point. Uh Uh-huh. The thing that is pretty special about Djokovic is that he seems like a pretty decent person, Mm. really respectful, really like kind of coyly – arrogant but in a way that I kind of just really dig because it's like so competitive and cool and fiery you can see the little embers flaming. You I, just know that person, don't you? I just know it's so deep in my soul and, yeah, and but he's also really kind and respectful. Like the way that he acknowledged um, Stefanos Tsitsipas after the, the game, it was just so cool and, yeah, so I was firmly in Djokovic's court.
0: Do you think the crowd were in Djokovic's court? considering there was
1: 45,000 people at the tennis, uh, just in Garden Square alone, Garden Square, whatever they call it, uh, there was 30,000 people outside of the stadium. Yeah, I think they were pretty – most of them were Serbians, I think. Wow. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts? Well, no, I similarly wasn't a fan around the tennis last year, nor when he put on a, a tournament. In the height of the pandemic that oh, became yeah. a super spreader event. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was like less than cool. But I did sort of watch him last night and think you've been through a lot and you've been through it quite publicly and I've kind of felt sorry for him. Well, the emotion. <laughs> and I was like, what's
1: wrong with you? But the emotion that he, like you mm. can see how the much. Outpouring. it outpouring. Yes, he like was bawling his eyes out with mm. his player box. Just, you know, I you can sense like you, you hold it together for so long, and then all of a sudden, it's just this volcano of emotions, which was amazing. So, I'm a, I'm a fan, again.
0: Hello, I'm uh, Joe Tilbrook here on the Gold Coast, and I love sport because it gives me a boundary to push myself and to really focus on uh, what I can achieve.
1: Chloe, thank you so much for your time. You are the incredible founder and host of the Female Athlete Project and we are just obsessed with you and and everything that you've been doing in in that kind of female athlete space. Um, We wanted to get you on to talk today about the NRLW contracts and correct the internet, but we'll start with NRLW. Can you give us kind of a lay of the land with where things are at at the moment?
2: Yeah, so I think there's been so much discussion in the media around ongoing negotiations for the players to get their CBA. So the women have never had a collective bargaining agreement before, and I think the biggest thing that they're pushing for is the contract security piece. And the main points are just around their well-being, um, having a pregnancy policy in place, injury protection. Like I, I think a lot of the concerns from the players at the moment around the fact that if they're out of contract and they play in a tier below, say, NRLW in something like Harvey Norman, which is the competition in New South Wales, if they get injured and they're not currently under contract with an NRLW side, they might not have medical cover and it means they're then out of contract for their rehab, surgery, all of those processes. So I think there's a lot of insecurity that comes from that for the players and and I think there's a lot of discussion in the media around the fact that they want the players just all want more money mm. but the overarching messaging that I'm reading from those players and obviously I'm not in the heart of those conversations so I, so I can't speak completely on their behalf but but just from what I'm across from what I've read from different players and things like that it's it's not about the money for for the women in particular it's about that security of of contract and and just having some certainty for their own lives, but but some of them have, have families and and little kids that they've got to look after as well. I should also
1: mention that you are an Olympic gold medalist from the rugby sevens. You know, <laughs> just a you know just a little thing, uh, and you also now play AFLW. How important is that security piece for the athletes moving forward? Because it must be just incredibly. I want to say traumatic, that probably sounds like an overstatement, but it is really destabilizing for people to not know where they might be playing or if they have to travel to then, you know, join a team and how long is that going to be for? How, like, how does that play on, on athletes' minds?
2: Yeah, I think it's a really tricky thing. As you know, sport is so fickle in a sense, whether you're an athlete or a coach, there's so many different things that could put an end to your career Mm. at really short notice, whether that's injuries or selection or whatever it might look like. So as we're moving into this more professional era, particularly in women's sport, it makes such a huge difference if you can have a level of stability with that. When I was with the Rugby Sevens program, the fact that that is a full-time program and has been since, I think, 2013 now, and there's been amazing funding that comes through, through Rugby Australia, through the AIS, the Olympic Committee. It actually allows the players not only to receive a livable salary, but to have the option to have metal incentive funding, which can kind of help boost their income as well. I think when you don't have these 12-month rolling contracts, it just makes it really tricky to have that real level of of security. And, And as you say, it's quite destabilizing to go through that process kind of year in, year out.
0: Chloe, the thing that really strikes me with this whole NRLW process as well, and it's quite similar to the AFLW, is that they still don't necessarily know the season dates and when that's happening. Why is it that women's sport is really struggling to find a place in the calendar?
2: Yeah, that's a really hard one. I know for us with AFLW, last year in particular, we played two seasons in a year they were almost experimenting with different times trying to find that best spot and I think it's a a really tricky one I don't know what the correct answer is because you do want a real sense of free space in terms of getting a really good broadcast deal for us in AFLW where we don't want to always have to compete with the men's competition that's been around for so many decades and has been so successful while while we're still in a real growth phase you've got to take into consideration factors like the heat, which is why IFLW season got moved from starting in January to starting in August. And I think even though we had the two seasons in a year, I think overall the main piece of feedback was that the August start date was was really good for the competition. And, and I know personally it was nice not playing in 30-plus degree weather. <laughs>
1: yeah, that um, sounds terrible.
2: <laughs> oh, so sweaty, so tired all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's kind of a range of different factors that they have to consider, but a lot of the time it, it just is sometimes frustrating that it feels like an afterthought, which I know mm. it's not, but because it, we don't have security on timings, it's just really hard. It's, it's always this feeling of having to put your life on hold.
0: Yeah, and I guess when you're not a fully professional sport that's paying for athletes to live, or paying a living wage that makes it, it's asking a lot of athletes to then negotiate with their employers to get the time they need to train and then to play
2: yeah correct and aFOW is still a part-time program and it's getting to that tipping point where we hope that in the next few years it, that it will become a full-time program but it's really tricky for girls that may have full-time roles um, that might not be overly flexible like I'm quite fortunate that I'm now doing work with my club's media team and, and obviously doing stuff with the female athlete project on the side that, that I kind of have flexible work that I can fit in and around trainings. But girls who might be teachers or landscapers or carpenters, some of my some of my teammates are, like it's really tricky and you have to have an employer who's really flexible around some of those training and playing commitments.
1: You're an incredible advocate for for women in sport and you've actually, on top of everything else that you're doing, have um, just been appointed an ambassador for the FIFA Women's Soccer World Cup. And through that process, there's been this incredible, I guess, ad campaign around correcting the internet because it turns out, well, I mean, we probably all knew this.
0: Oh, I did not know. This has truly shocked me and a lot of the people I've spoken to.
1: Yeah, but it's around correcting the internet because if you ask the internet, who the highest point scorer is in soccer, they will inevitably say Cristiano Ronaldo when the actual answer is Christine Sinclair. So, I mean, what was the purpose of this
2: campaign, do you think? I think it was really cool to get involved with this one. When I first saw the video, I was like, this is awesome. And probably I I didn't realise that there was capacity to change it. So for me, a lot of the time, if I Google something, if I Google NRLW, Google will so often say to me, did you mean NRL? And I want to just like scream at it, no, I didn't. I didn't mean NRL. I meant what I typed here. And I think it is. It's just become the default to a point where it actually is providing the wrong information. We saw a lot of uproar globally online. We, sh- we shared it when Cristiano Ronaldo scored a goal in the recent World Cup in Qatar that was labelled the first to reach a certain milestone when a women's player had done that many years before, I think, it, to scoring in four World Cups, I think was the the milestone. And all of these newspapers were saying Renata was the first to ever do it, and a lot of people were correcting, saying the first male player to ever ever do it. And I think it just a lot of the time reinforces this idea that that women's sport isn't included in those conversations. It's not as important, and it's just men's sport is is the default. So I love this campaign around correcting the internet and the fact that it gives people a really practical way to create change. I think that's been the coolest part about the Female Athlete Project with the work that we've done on socials, and I'm sure you guys have had a similar experience. People actually really want to contribute to the conversation but use their platform, even if they have 10 followers. They want to be able to use their voice in a way to create some of that change and i think that's what's really cool about correct the internet is you can go online by the link and you can see the stats that have that have come up incorrect like that ronaldo sinclair example and you can actually provide feedback to google to say hey this information is wrong and i think the idea is if enough people do it and send in that feedback overall we can correct some of these stats that have come across incorrectly on the internet
0: and I love that if you go to the Correct the Internet website, it, it takes you through it step by step because they do acknowledge it's not necessarily straightforward, but it is 100% worth doing.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's not really quick and easy, but I think they've tried to make it as straightforward as possible. But it's, it's worthwhile, right, taking a bit of time to, to kind of make an impact with your time.
0: Chloe, we absolutely love what you do at the Female Athlete Project and we love watching you Play for the GWS Giants when the AFLW season is on thank you so much for your time and for talking to us today.
2: No problem at all thank you very much for having me and Libby you mentioned about my Olympic gold medal I wanted to say you were one of the athletes that I looked up to oh. as a little kid that made me want to become an Olympian so yeah I've been, I've been a big fan for many years so a great honour to chat to you both today.
1: Oh Chloe <laughs> <laughs> You've made my day thank you <laughs> I'm Brooklyn and I'm seven and I like doing sport because it's good for you and it makes you strong and healthy. Georgie, can you please tell me (laughs) about the most prestigious surf event on the planet (laughs) which was named after a lifeguard who was lost at sea, (laughs) Eddie Ickow, who was was won by a lifeguard. Can you tell me more about the Eddie? Can you...
0: (laughs) Can you talk normally? <laughs> and don't mock me for doing my I'm not
1: research. You. I'm, I'm
0: Some of us. I'm asking a question, Georgie. <laughs> Are you gonna ask me? Can you ask me again?
1: Georgie. <laughs> I heard that the most oh, prestigious <laughs> event I've ever had was performed over the weekend. Can you please tell me more about the Eddie?
0: <laughs> Libby is making fun of me because I took lots of notes because I wanted to make sure I got this next bit right because it is such a cool event. And
1: I want to learn more and about it. And you're mocking I'm me. I'm not mocking
0: you. The people want to know. <laughs> so, yes, you are right. The most prestigious surfing event took place last week. It's, got, it's all the blur as to when this happened. But the eddy only happens when the surf at Waimea Bay on the north shore of Hawaii. Very famous Beach, surf, break. Yes. When it's over 20 foot. And by 20 foot, that's measuring, that's the Hawaiian measuring, which is at the back of the wave, not the face of the wave. Yes. So clear difference there. There's a big difference. Okay. So 20 foot at the back is a monster wave when you're looking at it from the beach. Okay. And the eddy is only called when the forecast says it'll be 20 foot and it's going to be consistently 20 foot for at least a day. Wow. And once that call is made, Within the eddy window, all the surfers who are nominees to participate have 12 hours to get to Waimea Bay to surf. How do they do that though? So you have to be, you're on call. Wow. You're on call. To like be, a doctor. <laughs> yeah. And it's, if you are on the list to participate, it is like a huge honor. That in itself is uh, is amazing because it's it's a list that's pulled together by your fellow big wave surfers. So you might see on that list Kelly Slater, and you'll see John John Florence there in the the normal um, WSL surfing league. But you won't necessarily see all the big names in there because it's a very specific skill set that can surf these waves.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so this is more targeted towards the big wave surfing. This surfers. is big wave surfing. Okay.
0: This is huge wave surfing. Okay. So the eddy has been a thing since for 38 years. Okay. But because it can only happen... With a certain window. In a certain window and a certain wave height. It's only ever run been run 10 times. That's actually nuts. So this is how, like... It's so exclusive, this club of people who participate in the eddy and if you actually get to surf it, that in itself is an incredible day at the office. The other thing that was called this year was that six women participated in the eddy. That's the first time women have participated side by side with the men. So cool. Yeah, and that was at the um, behest of the family, the Aikau family, who sort of head up the foundation that runs this whole competition. Amazing. But here's the most amazing part of the story. Okay, it gets more amazing. The guy that won the Eddie, Luke Shepherdson, was on the alternate list. Oh, cool. So only got in because someone else pulled out. First cool thing. Amazing. He is a lifeguard on the North Shore. And in order to participate in the Eddie on the day, he had to take annual leave for like a couple of hours here and there. He was working. He turned up to work. And then he went and surfed in the comp and participated and won and then went back to work.
1: (laughs) That guy's cool. What a rock star.
0: What a cool guy. He literally, when they presented him with the award to say you've won, you've surfed the best, biggest wave of the day, he was in his lifeguard uniform. Legend, just about to head back to work. He's like, got to get back, guys. He went home and he celebrated by buying frozen pizza at the local grocery store and eating it with his family. I love him. That was his like, yay, (laughs) because he had to go to work the next day. I love him. (laughs) It's just a beautiful story. How does it get selected
1: who wins though? Uh, points. They're judged. So it is judged. It the is same. judged. Yes,
0: definitely. It's judged. So it's not the biggest wave necessarily, but you get points for, I don't size. know if it's size or skill. It'd be a combination of both. Like okay. they'd be looking at how big the wave was. I mean, if you surf anything over 20 foot and you're st- still on the board by the time the waves finished, you're yeah, cheering.
1: Because I can't imagine that they're doing like any kind of tricks like the WSL guys
0: do. No, it's not necessarily, you're not carving up and down a wave. Yeah. You're Going down the face of it and holding it because these are really heavy waves. Yeah,
1: because they're,
0: you don't go on by paddling onto them. You have you have to paddle onto them.
1: Oh, interesting. I imagined that they were going to be jet skied on. Not allowed them. to tow. Ah. Huh.
0: So, the other part I haven't said about this is that the Eddie is named after Eddie I. Cow, who was the North Shore's first lifeguard. Oh. And who was a big wave surfer and who died trying to do a historical crossing from Tahiti back to Hawaii. Oh wow. And the boat started to sink and so Eddie got out of the boat to swim to shore yeah. to get help and was never found. Oh. And so it's called the Eddie after him and there's all these sayings around the Eddie. Eddie would go. So if it's if it's a big enough wave, Eddie would go. Eddie would surf it. Mm. But they also say Eddie wouldn't tow. Ah. So that's also part of the rules of this cool that's, event. That's
1: very cool, Georgie. Thank you for telling me more about the most prestigious surfing event
0: in the world. That you might not have otherwise heard of. The Eddie. Hi, my name's Kate Brown and the thing I love about sport is just the community that comes together and that you can't judge anybody by the way they look or by the way they run because at the end of the day, we're all out there doing the same thing and achieving our own goals.
1: My quick thing this week, Georgie, is that we have set our work lives up Around our exercise and our movement. Yes. And I'm really proud of that because if you want to move more, whether it's sport or exercise or however you want to move your body, you need to prioritise it and you actually have to do that by actually prioritising it. So
0: I'm very proud of us for doing that. Build it into your calendar. Correct. My quick thing is the competition that we're running uh, because you could save $300 $300 on sports registration. And if it doesn't matter if you've already registered, we're happy to reimburse you for that amount that you've paid. And a big shout out to the Redbacks uh, netball team here in Brisbane who put it around uh, the club notice board and said, if you'd like your registration paid for, go and follow the sports social. Love it. And this is not just a competition for Queensland. This is Australia-wide.
1: Yeah, and also just to make sure that people know, this is for any sport. Like it can be the traditional sports like netball, basketball, swimming, whatever it is, but it can also be dancing. It can be dance sports. We know that's big. It could be scooter riding. It could be scooter riding. It could be anything. So make sure if you're paying money to register for your club, whatever that might be, make sure you nominate.
0: so much for listening to this week's episode of the sports social we so enjoy bringing you these episodes and if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats please share it with them and let them know about us and we
1: absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews it totally lights us up if you are enjoying this kind of sports content head over to our instagram page at the sports social podcast otherwise we will chat to you next week bye